Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. I'm your host, Harold Thornbrough, and today I'm joined by Bevan Cohen. He is, he's a, well, he's a homesteader, first of all, which we always like talking to, and uh, he's also an author and a podcaster and got a few other things going on. And uh, how you doing, Bevan? Oh, I'm doing great, Harold. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, welcome. Welcome. Glad to have you on. Now, where are you at exactly? We're in central Michigan. We're on the outskirts of a little village uh, called Sanford, right in the middle of the mitten. Okay. All right. Yeah. Lots of homesteaders up in that area. I mean, we, <laughs> we have a ton of them that come on the podcast, even the, up in that, in that zone there seems like anywhere from Northern all the way down into to, to Michigan there. It must be a, I had never thought in the past about Michigan being such a great homesteading state, but it seems like it is. I mean, there's just so many folks up there really pursuing that lifestyle. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, it's a beautiful place. One of the things that I love about Michigan is it, it's so natural there's so much open space here um and the people like you said they're just wonderful people all over Mm -hmm. the place and uh yeah i'm a little biased harold but uh, i think it's the (laughs) the best of all the states well i you know what we all have that opinion about our own states i guess i don't know i i actually grew up in tennessee and then i moved to indiana later so i kind of have a strong feeling about tennessee too you know so it's just wherever you're from and wherever you live you tend to adapt to it and enjoy it and you know yeah sounds like a michigan's a great place to be for homesteading Well, today we're going to talk about, uh, later, I want to talk about some other things first, but we're going to get into ultimately small-scale seed and nut oil production, which I think is a a fascinating topic. Uh, It wasn't so long ago on on the podcast here, Rachel and I were talking, and I had ran across a post in in permies.com, and it was somebody in there sharing about how much oil they were producing with like some black oil sunflower seeds and they were making their own oils and stuff. And, and they were talking about how, how how many it took to make so much oil and all this. And I was fascinated by that. And I, I was wanting to look into that more. So when you uh, presented this opportunity to talk to you about this, I was kind of really interested because it's something I have thought a little bit about because it seems like it's something that can be done on a, in a fairly small space with the right, production of something nuts or seeds or whatever you're doing and i'm sure some are way better production than others but it sounds like on the small scale it can be done oh absolutely and i think it's on the small scale that it should be done i think that's the beauty of pressing your own oil at home is it something that everybody can really do um it doesn't take a lot of investment really or even that much time to press your own oils and the quality of the product that you can get making your own at home i mean it's beyond anything you'd ever be able to purchase at the grocery store Wow. Yeah, I definitely want to know more about that. But before we jump into that, I really just want to hear more about you, your family, your lifestyle. How'd you get where you are? I mean, what what got you into homesteading in the first place? Well, um, I guess you could almost say it was an accident. Um, You know, it was about 10, maybe 12 years ago now that my wife, Heather, and I purchased this property here in Michigan. And up until then, you know, we lived in town and you know, it's a, it's your classic cliche story. We had more corporate jobs that we didn't really enjoy. It wasn't fulfilling for us, that sort of thing. And we decided, um, well, we're, we got to do something different. You know, you only get one life here and you might as well make the most of it. So we decided to uh, kind of cash it all in and 
move out here and see what was going to come of it. And I mean, to be honest with you, we didn't have much more of a plan than that. Um, we were going to come out here and see what was going to happen, I guess. And, you know, I, things just kind of fell into place for us. One lesson that I've continued to learn over the years is that I'm going to do the best things in my life when I get out of my own way and let things happen kind of organically on their own, you know, kind of just let nature take its course. Right. And so that's what we decided to do here. We just kind of so well, let's get out there and see what comes of it. And, you know, pressing oil was one of the very first things that we did here at Small House Farm. Really? Uh, yeah, that's how things got started. You know, I uh, I was reading a magazine and in the back of the magazine, there was a story about a couple that had left their corporate lives to go pursue something different. I thought, oh, wow, I can relate to this, right? And in the story, they had purchased an old grain mill and they had convinced some farmers near them to grow some organic grains and they kind of launched this organic grain milling business. And I thought, oh man, this is super inspirational. I want to do something like that. But there's no grain mills for sale out here in Michigan. There's nothing like that. And then further into this magazine, I came across an ad for an oil press. There's somebody was selling an oil press. And I thought, well, that's something I've never heard of ever in my life. I've never even thought of pressing oil, which is ironic, Harold, because think of how often we use oil in our day-to-day life. Yeah. Yeah. Every day, every day. And we want to be do-it-yourselfers. We want to provide for ourselves. We want to be sustainable. But for some reason, none of us are discussing this staple crop that we use on the daily. And I thought, man, I should try my hand at pressing some oil. And well, you know, fast forward 12 years and here we are. Um, luckily it all worked out. You know, yeah. I always say my wife is the most patient woman on the planet because she has to put up with me every day and all these crazy ideas. When I came to her and said, Oh, I'm gonna buy this oil press and this is gonna be what we do on the farm, she was just like, Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, she's probably learned to get out of your way just like you've learned to get out of your way. <laughs> yeah, you know, she knows when to rein me in though, for sure. Um, yeah, mine too. <laughs> but yeah, she gave me that space and she said, let's try to make this thing work. And, you know, it really took off. It was something that was, it was unique and different than what other folks around us were providing. Like you said, there's a lot of homesteaders here in Michigan. There's a lot of different things happening, um, but this was something that was different, you know, and that kind of became our little niche. And, uh, you know, we've, we've been lucky that it went well for us and everything's just continued to snowball from there. Awesome. Well, that's pretty cool. How many, uh, how, how big is your, uh, farm? It's actually quite small. It's small house farm. We live in a very small house and our property is pretty small. The whole property here is about three and a half acres total. Um, but we're on a dead end dirt road. We're across the street from 1100 acres of forest. So we're blessed in that. We, you know, we get to do a lot of foraging out there Mm -hmm. for food and herbs and that sort of thing too. Yeah. Yeah. It makes a big difference. Like I'm on a real small property and that I'm real close to 1500 acres of, of, you know, state ground that I can do the same thing, hunting and foraging and fishing and all those things. And it makes a huge difference on a small homestead when you got access to a property like that, for sure. Oh, absolutely. It really does. It's such a, such a big difference. And then being in Michigan, you know, we're blessed that we can connect with other growers, you know, when we need to source a large quantity of sunflower seeds or whatever it might be, that's easy to do. There's a lot of folks around here doing that. And that way we can support local farmers while we're building our small business as well. Well, I'm always encouraged by folks who are doing it on, you know, smaller pieces of property because, I mean, yeah, it, there's there's uh, there's something special about having a big piece of property and, and doing a lot of cool things because, you know, when you're doing more, of course, you're just you're spread thinner and, you know, and everything. But when you can do it on a small piece of property, you can figure out and kind of crack that code of of being able to maximize production in a small acreage. That's to me, that's always been fascinating because you just see you have to really pay attention to design and systems and things like that and how you set it up. And and that always just fascinates me a lot. So, yeah, I'm, I'm always intrigued by that. Uh, well, let's talk a little bit about uh, let's talk about 
you know, making, uh, uh, oil from seeds. Uh, what's, what's on a small farm homestead, uh, what's ideal. I mean, what do you make an oil out of? There's a number of different plants that we can make our oil from. If we're looking to grow oil seed crops, I always recommend folks get started with sunflowers. Um, mm-hmm. it's a great place to go. They're easy to grow. Basically, anywhere that you live, you can produce a sunflower seed crop, right? And a sunflower is going to produce a lot of seeds. It's exponential. So you can get a pretty good size harvest, even growing it in a small space. Another thing that's nice about sunflowers is that you don't have to worry about processing the seeds. You don't have to take the shells off of them or anything like that. You can run them through the press, shells on and all, right? So it's very simple. Takes that whole step right out of it. And it's a high oil seed, uh, high oil content seed, right? So we're talking, you know, 30, 40%, sometimes even more depending on the variety that you're working with. So like you were talking about in that chat group that you saw somebody talking about sunflower seeds, you can get, uh, if you're, if you're ideal situation, you can get from 10 pounds of sunflower seeds, you can get up to a gallon of oil. And that's a lot of oil for a very small amount of seed if you think about it. But, you know, even if you don't want to grow stuff, you can certainly forage. Um, Here in Michigan, we have a lot of black walnuts, and that's a little bit more work. We're going to have to, you know, process those nuts to get them ready to go through the press. But man, walnut seed oil is some premium good stuff. It's fantastic. You know, so you don't even have to have growing space if you're willing to take the time to forage for it. So there's lots of different options yeah. depending on where you're at. That folks down south, I tell them start with peanuts. If you're in a place where you can grow peanuts, man, that's a great oil seed crop. You can get a lot of oil out of a peanut. They're simple to grow, easy to process. Um, that's a great one to get started with as well. Do do all um, sunflowers produce a decent amount of oil? I mean, I imagine there are some that are greater, like the black oil sunflower. I mean, that's obviously one that's pretty common for that, but it are. I, I grow a lot of mammoth sunflowers. Are those, can those be used as well? Absolutely. The mammoth sunflower is a fantastic one. So what you're going to find is the, a lot of more modern sunflowers that have been developed for, um, for beauty, I suppose you could say it's much smaller sunflowers, smaller yeah. seeds, smaller oil, right? So you're going to have to grow a lot more of them to get the oil content that you want. The black oil, of course, is the number one, your bird seed. Sunflower yeah. is the greatest one, but something like a mammoth, they're wonderful. We grow mammoth here. Yeah. Um, you know, with those big old heads, you get a ton of seeds out of yeah, them and they very high in oil too. So that's a great choice. Okay, great. Yeah. I was wondering about that. Cause that's, you know, I, I, I often wonder what the different, how much of a difference you would get. I don't know if you know the answer to that, but I mean, is it like a substantial amount more out of a black oil versus a, a mammoth? Well, you know, between a black oil and a mammoth, you're not going to see a lot of difference from the seed itself. What you're going to see is how well the seed has been dried. So this is all things that are going to happen once it's harvested. You know, you need to get to a certain moisture level as you dry it, the the heat of the oil press when you press it, the rate of the pressing, you know, so there's certainly some variables there that are going to impact our yields. But where you're going to see the greatest difference is the difference between one of those types of sunflowers versus a more decorative sunflower. When we breed plants for certain traits, we tend to lose other traits, right? So we're going to lose the oil content of the seed when we start to breed sunflowers for their physical appearance over anything else. Like I grew some like, I think they were called teddy bear sunflowers when you're in a real small and real small head, very few seeds. Yeah, they were just decorative. They were doing to done you much good any they're other cool way. looking but they're yeah, not going to yeah. do you much good right right yeah well that's awesome um you fascinate me a little bit with the walnut thing because I, I i got access to a lot of walnuts how difficult is that i mean you do have to shell them and get the actual meat out of the seed to do it oh yeah you do um and it, it it's a trick there's a trick to it so what i found works the best is to get the green hull off of the walnut i actually will run it through a corn sheller the same machine that you'll use to to uh take the kernels off of a cob of mm-hmm. corn 
You yeah. run the walnuts through one of those, it'll peel that green shell off of it real nice. Um, it's the easiest way that I found to deal with it. Then you got to let the walnuts sit around for a little while to dry. And then to separate the nut from the shell, the easiest thing to do here is literally smash them, right? <laughs> Break them into bits and then put them into a bucket of cold water. And what you'll find is due to the difference in the density between the nut and the shell is that the nuts will actually sink to the bottom of the water and the shells will all float. Oh, interesting. And then you can take the shells out of there, pour the nuts through a screen, then you got to dry them again. And then they're ready to go through the press. I, I remember when I was a kid, my grandparents, you know, they always had a ton of uh, walnut trees and, and they would literally like lay put them on the driveway and lay something over the top of them and drive over them to crush them. Oh yeah. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's funny. There's so many black walnuts here in Michigan. We used to uh, be vendors at the local farmer's market um, for many years. And once folks found out that I was pressing walnuts, they were all willing to share their walnuts with me, which seemed great at the time. But till this day, I mean, <laughs> five gallon buckets of walnuts just show up on my porch all fall. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, people are, they want to get rid of them. They don't know what to do with them. Oh yeah, my oh, my daughter's son-in-law have bunch. Of, they have a bunch of walnut trees, and they've got bags of them in their garage. And they're like, "I wonder where I can take these." And we were talking about it just this last weekend. They have just tons of them, and so who knows? But it sounds like a lot of work. So I I don't know. I'm 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 on the fence about that. I mean, I love the idea. It sounds great, but yeah, it's a lot of work. One of the things that's cool about pressing your own oil, though, is that you don't have to do it in large quantities. The thing that you don't want to do is press a whole bunch of oil right now because now you're stuck storing oil. And what's storing oil is difficult because being a it's all fat, right? So it's going to go rancid quicker. It's easier to actually store the nuts, right? Keep the nuts stored and keep the nuts fresh and then press as you need. So then you only press what you need for, say, a week's worth of consumption. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the freshest oil around. Easy peasy, right? Oh, that's great. Um, so you only yeah. press what you need. You store the seeds. Because otherwise, I mean, if you're just going to press a bunch of oil and store it, you might as well just go to the grocery store and buy it. Sure. Right? Yeah. If you're yeah. just going to have old stuff. The, the beauty of pressing your own is you've got the freshest. And that means not only is the flavor at its peak, but the nutritional value of the oil is also at its peak. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. Well, what else do we need to know about using nuts or, or seeds to make our own oil? So... The equipment that you're going to need is actually quite inexpensive. This seems to be like a big barrier for folks. It's, oh, what kind of equipment am I going to need to do this? Mm-hmm. And we got started with a small, it's a Pitaba is the brand. Um, there's a number of knockoffs that you can buy on Amazon now. You don't want any of them. I've tried them all. I mean, you, you could tell the difference right away. The, the quality yeah. of the material is very different. But this Pitaba brand, we sell them on our website. Um, it's it's a high quality press. And you can buy them other places too. You don't have to buy it from me. You know what I mean? But um Simple machine. It's a couple hundred bucks to get this thing. It's a hand cranked machine. You're going to have to learn how to secure it to something. And this was my greatest challenge. I'm not a carpenter, Harold, by any means. So when I got going, I thought, oh, I'll just screw this thing onto this table. It's going to be great. The amount of pressure that it takes to squeeze the seed, it, it's you're going to want a carriage ball. You drill the holes, you use a carriage ball. You know what I mean? You got to make sure it's nice yeah. and secure. So that's a trick to learn. Um, but once you get it going, no problem at all. Um, from the hand press, we upgraded. Uh, we've uh, hooked it up to a bicycle. That seems to be the most fun. And in my book, The Complete Guide to Seed and Oils, I walk you through how to turn the pitable press into a bicycle-powered press, which is a lot easier to work with. You know what I mean? You just hop on your bike, pedal it. You can press all the oil that you need. Put one of your wow. kids on there. They're just like an <laughs> endless source of energy, right? Stick a kid on this bike. Let them go. Um, super simple stuff. Then you have to understand how to store the oil once you have it. And so 
each one of these seeds and nuts is going to produce a slightly different oil, right? And so mm -hmm. the storage needs of each oil is a little bit different. So in my book, I kind of break it down, the very specifics of it. But in the most general speaking, you want to keep it cool and you want to keep it dark, right? Uh, whether that's in a cupboard, sometimes in a refrigerator. Uh, we press a lot of hemp seed oil. Hemp seed is a, a kind of a volatile oil. It doesn't keep well unless you refrigerate it. So some of these oils, you, you have to consider the storage for them as well, you know, but just a little bit of planning in advance. And this is like any homesteading activity, right? A little bit of planning, a little bit of trial and error, and then you're going to find yourself. Uh, it's so simple to do really once you get going. How, how on, I know you say it varies on which oils, but roughly how long will they store? They're going to store for anywhere from six months to a year. Oh, um, on average. Okay. It's stored well. Yeah, for sure. I, I didn't expect it to be that long. <laughs> yeah, no, they'll keep pretty well. I mean, like a hemp seed oil will keep for a year easy in the refrigerator. Now, yeah. if I'm just going to keep it out on the cupboard or something, maybe we're looking at like three months. Some people, most people that I, I encounter, they're going to take their kitchen oils and the place that they store them is right above the stove. Right in the Where kitchen. The so it's, it's yeah. the hottest place in the whole kitchen, you know, yeah. so that's the worst place to actually keep the oil. Yeah. You want to keep it somewhere cool. And if you, you take the time to just put it in the cupboard, you're going to get months of storage out of these things. Okay. What, what kind of things, I mean, are you cooking with these oils? Cause I know some oils don't cook, you know, the temperature wise, there's not, they're not real good. Is there, are you cooking with them? You just eat them on salads. What are you doing with these oils? Okay. That's a great question. So, and this is going to, again, be determined by the type of oil that we're working with. Mm -hmm. Something like hemp seed, we'll come back to that one, um, doesn't take the heat at all. So you don't want to be sauteing and stir frying or anything like that right. with this. But it makes a great salad dressing or a marinade or, or something like that. A lot of people use it in smoothies. They'll actually use it as a supplement in their smoothies. It's incredibly nutritious. You know what I mean? It's so good for you. Um, you know, it's a perfect balance of omega-6 to omega-3. It's got all the essential amino acids, complete plant protein. It's awesome stuff, but you don't want to heat it up, you know? But other oils... Absolutely, you can. Sunflower oil is great. Peanut oil is known for being able to take high heats, you know. So depending on the oil that you got is going to determine your applications. Now, here at Small House, we make a lot of herbal products. That's kind of, I suppose if I was going to say I had a nine to five, that's what it would be. We take the herbs that we grow and gather here on the farm and the oils that I press, and we put them together and create, we have a full line of herbal wellness, health and beauty product types of things that we oh, offer. Yeah. And we utilize our oils in all of the different products, you know? Um, so that's a way that we can use these oils without even having to consume them. I know some people are concerned about the consumption of particular seed and nut oils. So I like to remind them it's not necessarily always for food, right? We can press these oils and then use them in topical products as well. Yeah. And they're going to be a higher quality than anything you'd be able to purchase anywhere else. Okay. Awesome. What Okay, so you're using them in herbal. So, of course, now you just put a shelf life on your herbal remedies, too. That's the same as the oil, because obviously a lot of herbal remedies are a little bit higher shelf life, you know, than, than what these oils would be. Well, that's a great question, man. Now, what happens, though, when you take these oils and you say, let's, let's make a salve with it, right? A topical salve. Mm -hmm. We're combining the oil with beeswax. And the beeswax yeah. is a preservative, right? Okay. So these oil products, even though it's this local oil um, combined with beeswax, it's going to keep for a year also. You know what I mean? Okay, it still has yeah. the same shelf life because of the other ingredients that are in the product. Right. Yeah. Cause I'll use a, you know, like I'll make say comfrey salve, for example, and, and you mix, I'll use olive oil for that. But yeah, it sounds like something like this. That's, a, you know, right on the, the homestead you're going to be able to use. It seems like it would be so much better than using some com commercial olive oil. 
Oh yeah, dig it, man. You're gonna use comfrey. You choose comfrey in your salve specifically for the chemical constituents in mm. that comfrey for the healing qualities that that plant offers. And all of the oils also come from plants, and each one of them has a specific healing quality that it can offer. We make a comfrey comfrey salve here as well on our farm, and I infuse the comfrey in sunflower oil. Actually, okay, uh, awesome. sunflower oil is high in vitamin E, which is an essential skin nutrient. You're gonna utilize comfrey because you want to heal the skin. Well, you're Skin needs vitamin E to help heal itself. So we can actually make a better comfrey salve by yes. utilizing different oils as ingredients, not just a solvent for infusing yeah. our herbs, but an ingredient itself. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's great, man. <laughs> now you just piqued my interest all the more. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's really cool. What? Okay, I, let's just say I want to get into this now. I'm a small homestead. You know I can grow sunflowers. What do I need? What's it going to take money-wise, work-wise to get really going with this? Okay, so it's going to take your first upfront investment of purchasing the oil press. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Along with the oil press, I would recommend my book, The Complete Guide to Seed and Nut Oils. Um, you know, and the reason I'm going to recommend it, aside from it being my book, is when I started doing this 12 years ago, there was no book. There was no literature yeah. on this at all. and uh, it was. It was a learning curve to say the least, right? So in the book, I've kind of I'm sharing all my mistakes that I've made so everybody can avoid making those so you can hit the ground running, so to speak. So you're gonna get the book if you want, you gotta get the oil press, right? And I'm gonna suggest that pitable oil press. It's inexpensive, it's efficient, it's literally all you need for home scale production. That's it, right? So you're gonna get the press, you're gonna get the book. Then you gotta grow some sunflowers, you know. If you're a homestead and you're already growing stuff, you're familiar with all the equipment that you're going to need to plant some sunflowers, depending on the scale that you're going to grow. Once your sunflowers are ready to harvest, sunflower seeds are pretty easy to extract from the plant, right? Yeah. Um, we've done it on a smaller scale, literally with a glove on my hand and you just rub them and they come off. I yeah. saw a video on YouTube uh, last year where a gentleman was using the, the spinning back wheel of a bicycle. And putting the flower heads up against that. I tried it. Worked great, man. You can take wow. the seeds off a sunflower head so fast that way. I'd suggest going to winnow those guys out and, you know, get any debris out of there. So I guess you're going to need a box fan so you could winnow your seeds out. So you're going to have to invest in one of those. So there's another 20 bucks. And then uh, maybe a couple BPA-free plastic buckets, five-gallon buckets to store your seeds in when you're not pressing them. So you're going to have to purchase those. And then it's just simply the time that it takes to press them. And if you're only pressing... The oil that you need for each week, you're looking at maybe one to two hours tops of work every week that it's going to take you. Really? Wow. Yep. So really, a small upfront investment, a little bit of time, that's all that it takes. Okay. Yeah, that doesn't sound like too bad. I mean, what these presses run, a couple, couple hundred dollars, two, three hundred bucks maybe? Two hundred bucks. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, yeah. if you buy it from us, it's 200 bucks. If you buy them on Amazon, I think it's a little bit more. Um, we have a deal with the importer because we go through so many of them, yeah. but I think we're able to offer it, you know, it's a, a few dollars cheaper, but it's about yeah, the same. You know, but I'm thinking of the uses. Okay. Now we, we can make our own herbal remedies from this oil. We can use, you know, make topical, whatever. I mean, you can do things, you can use it for some cooking applications. Uh, you know, I'm imagine there's even, 
I mean, I think about like I raise rabbits, for example, and I'll take olive oil and I'll treat them for uh, ear mites at times. You could probably make your own oils for that and, and treat that kind of stuff. So you could, you could have applications for in your livestock. I mean, I just think of all kinds of things you could use your, these oils for. Oh, um, yeah. Let me tell you a few more that we haven't even talked yeah, about. Yet. Yeah, get into it. Ready? Okay. So when you press the seeds, let's say we've pressed almonds, peanuts, these are great examples, is the once you get the oil into the jar, right? And it's got to settle out. It's going to be turbid, right? It's going to have a lot of little small debris floating through it. So you got to let it clarify. You let the oil sit for a while, all the debris in the oil will settle to the bottom. And what that debris is, is little tiny bits of nuts. Once you decant the oil out, what you have left over is nut butter. Almond butter, peanut butter, whatever it is. Okay. So you can make your own nut butters that way. So that's a side product. Then yeah. the seed cake that comes out the end of the press. So the seeds go into the press. They get crushed by the turn screw. Oil comes out here. Seed cake comes out the other end, right? Well, the seed cake is completely edible also, right? Um, you can, I take like the leftover hemp. We'll mill it into a powder. We use it as a gluten-free flour substitute. I have fed it to our livestock. Yeah. When we first got started here, we were raising pigs. And I would take, I had so much of this hemp. We were going at peak. Things got out of control here with the business. We ended up winning this like good food award for our hemp seed oil. We moved into a commercial facility. We were selling oil at like co-ops all over the country. It was out of control. And I had so much leftover crushed hemp seed that I didn't know what to do with it. And we started just feeding it to the pigs. Well, turns out hemp fed pork can get like a dollar to $2 more per pound hanging weight than non-hemp fed pork can wow. in our local market, right? <laughs> so all of a sudden we were making pretty good money selling our pigs. Then we started feeding it to the chickens yeah. and people kept coming back to the market and said, what are you doing? Your eggs are the best eggs I've ever had. And I was like, oh, well, they're a dollar more than everybody else's eggs now. Um, it was awesome. You know what I mean? So there's like literally no waste product here either. Yeah. Every part of this can become something if you're just clever enough in how to utilize it. Sure. Well, I'm sure even in, I'm sure it would make a fantastic additive to a compost and it would probably just, the texture it would probably gain in that and everything would probably be just oh, great dude. for that. When we, the very first year we were pressing oil, I had no idea how valuable that seed cake was coming out the end of the machine. I had no idea what to do with it. So I was throwing it. We didn't even have a compost. This is how new our farm was. I didn't have a compost set up. Now we've got a whole scenario going out there. I just had a crate behind a maple tree and I was just throwing all the seed cake into this crate behind the maple tree. And like a year later, I went to go move that crate and it was the blackest, most beautiful soil I have ever created in oh, my yeah. life. Um, yeah. So, I mean, this stuff is gold. It's gold. That's you know? awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The application, I mean, it sounds like it'd just be so beneficial. I'm really into closing the loop on, on just my whole systems. You know, I just, one thing at a time, I'm trying to close the loops, you know, keep the things on the farm, keep, you know, on my homestead, not bringing a lot of inputs. And this sounds like it's just one of them things you could really do. I mean, you're growing your seeds, you're pressing, you're making your own oils in the circle of life, kind of feeding the soil with what you got left over, growing more sunflowers, you know, that kind of thing. It's uh, the perfect which, scenario. Yeah, right? it is. It's, it's definitely close, falls right into that closed loop scenario. So I love this. Um, now I'm also thinking about you, what like you do like market potential. I mean, it sounds like it's just got tons of market potential. Oh yeah. I mean, so we were selling our oil at the local farmer's market. That's how we got started. We got a little table at the local market. Um, you know, I'd have like maybe 10 bottles of sunflower oil when we got started. And at the very first time that we set up at this market, I didn't know what to think, you know, um, we sold out in like 20 minutes. I was like, I mean, it was 10 bottles of oil. It's not a lot, but still, right? And I thought, wow, maybe we're onto something here. So I'd press and press and press. And next time I'd bring maybe 20 bottles, I'd sell out. 
30 bottles. I'd sell out. I couldn't keep it in stock because nobody had ever purchased a local oil before. There just wasn't a thing. People coming to the farmer's market want to support local. And this was a product they couldn't get anywhere else. Mm-hmm. So we continued to just scale up. And then we won that good food award. Uh, we we entered the hemp seed oil into a good food award, which is like a, uh, um, it's a food competition, like out of San Francisco or whatever. So we'd sent this oil in just on a whim, you know, who knows? We ended up winning this award. And then we were like in these food magazines and we were like, all it like exploded. And I literally couldn't keep up with production at peak at peak. We were bringing in 1800 pounds of hemp seeds at a time um, from a farmer in Canada. At the time you couldn't get hemp seeds here in Michigan. Um, and I was bringing them over the border. It was a whole production. Yeah. And we were pressing the stuff and we were selling it at co-ops everywhere. It was tremendous. But then I realized, Harold, that my natural instinct is to, we want to scale up and scale up and be profitable and do these things. And I realized that I had left my busy corporate job to come out here to the farm so I could stay at the farm and have some peace and quiet. And yeah. what I'd created was the fact that every day I was waking up and driving to town to this commercial kitchen facility to produce this oil. And I thought, what have I done to myself? Right. I've become my own worst enemy. Yeah. So we pulled the plug on the whole thing. I don't care how successful it is. I was like, that's not what I'm here to do with my life. So we pulled the plug on the commercial kitchen. We scaled everything back down, back to how we wanted it to be. Um, It's, you know, we have to make some adjustments when you make choices like that. But I felt that it was the best thing for us to do. So we scaled everything back down. And then I realized that when we're selling bottles of oil, you're getting your, you know, your profit margins so, so much per ounce, right? But when we use the oils as ingredients in our herbal products, suddenly the profit margin per ounce skyrockets, right? Sure. So we just kind of shifted the the view of the business. Um, then the pandemic hit and everything went online. And then, well, it's changed. I haven't gone back to a farmer's market since. Yeah. Um, it's been wildly successful being an online business for us. You know, yeah, so that, again, we just got great. lucky. Yeah. yeah. That's great that you can, you kind of backed up and it's funny how you can you can just create a monster when you're chasing your dreams sometimes and then you get for and then you have to like you know kind of reevaluate and back up a little bit because that can happen so easy for sure well I mean, that's can, was i chasing my dream though that's what yeah. i had to say to myself was i really chasing my yeah, dream yeah, at that you point passed it. <laughs> yeah. what was i chasing anymore you know and i realized that you know in life we make decisions based on like profit and gain or we make decisions based on like personal ethics and sometimes those things don't line up you know what i mean and i thought obviously i gotta pay my bills but i'd like to do it in a different way yeah i've I've said the same thing so many times if if you i mean honestly if you're just trying to escape you know the rat race and get away from things but then you create a whole different rat race just because you're just because you're the one driving now doesn't really matter you know right just because I'm the head matter. rat doesn't mean it's yeah. any better. It yeah. doesn't make it any better. That's right. That's right. Well, let's talk a little bit about your book. I mean, I imagine it's covering a lot of things we've already discussed, but can you kind of just give us a general overview of just what is in there? Sure. So I open the book with an exploration of the history of seed and nut oils, um, because it tends to be something that, well, we're not very familiar with where our food comes from. So I like to talk about the history of our food in any application that I can. So we discuss the history of oil and how long for thousands of years people have been pressing their seed and nut oils. And then we kind of bring it up to a more modern time. And we talk about those modern commercial oils that we're used to, you know, the chemically extracted, Mm -hmm. deodorized things that they sell at the grocery store. Is a sort of to be informative, but also to open the pitch on why would you buy that when you can make something better at home type of thing. And then we break down, here's all the equipment that you need. Here's how you can upgrade that equipment to make it easy to work with. I'm talking like hooking it up to the bicycles, creating your own motorized press, whatever it might be, um, which is also 
pretty simple to do once you understand how the press works. And then we do profiles of all the plants. So I, we talk about 30 something plants in depth. These are oil seed crops that are easy to get your hands on, um, depending on where you're at in the country, how easy they sure. are to grow and everything about it, how to grow it, when to harvest it, how to dry it, how to process it, when to press it, all everything that you need to know, how to store the oil, literally everything. And then in the second half of the book, I talk about, oh my gosh, way more plants in less depth, but all of these different oil seed crops, um, some off the wall type of stuff that you may not be as familiar with, but I think it's interesting to know about. Sure. And depending where you're at, could be a viable crop for you as well. Um, so I tried to be as inclusive as possible talking about all the plants. We get into things a little bit about corn, a little bit about soybean, just so people can understand how those things work. Uh, we delve into olive oil, coconut oil, all the things you might be interested in. It's always fascinating to folks to find out that you can make your own avocado and coconut oil right at home. It's actually pretty easy to make avocado oil using the pit of a press. Um, and it's way less expensive than buying avocado oil is, you know? Um, so I tried to just use this book as to arm future oil pressers with all the tools that they're going to need to succeed right out of the gate. And we can't leave out that bicycle hookup for the press. That's in there too. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's a game changer, man. I'm telling yeah, you. Yeah, sounds like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's really cool, man. It sounds like a great book to have on the shelf. Uh, like I said, most homesteaders I know are looking to just close that loop as much as possible, become you know self-sufficient as possible, reduce that risk of bringing products onto your property that have any kind of contamination or chemicals or anything you don't want on your property. And this sounds like a great tool. I mean, this book is just one of them tool, one tool in the, in, the, in the list of things you need on your property to help you do that, because I think that's something we should all be pursuing. Absolutely. I agree, you know, and I obviously I agree, I guess, because I wrote the book. But I mean, <laughs> when I tried to break down, when we moved out to the homestead here and we said, okay, we're going to try to provide for ourselves as many things as we possibly can, right? So we can do it ourselves type of thing. And so we started making lists of what do we use? What do we go through? What do we eat? What kind of things do we have to purchase? What, are, what do we rely on the store for, et cetera, right? And oil is right at the top of the list, even yeah. though... It's something that we kind of take for granted. We might not think about it. I mean, you're going to cook some food. What do you put a tablespoon of oil in your pan? So you might not even think about it. You're thinking about the onions or the eggs or or whatever, the sausage that goes in there, you know, but the oil goes in there first, mm -hmm. right? And so for me, that was, that was an eye opener to see that you go to the grocery store. There's a whole aisle of oils, right? The whole, I mean, hundreds yeah. of different things to choose from. And if we don't think about things from the producer's point of view, we tend to think about things and maybe homesteaders, your listeners are going to be a little different. Your typical person out on the street looks at everything from the consumer's point of view, mm -hmm. right? We see things from the outside, from that point of view, but producers, homesteaders, we see things from how things are made, where they're coming from, what goes yeah. into creating these food products for folks. And for me, man, it was, it changed my whole perspective on things. When I walked down that aisle at the grocery store selling all that oil, cause I thought, well, how the heck does this stuff get here? I don't even know. And yeah, that, I've tried to escape a lot of oils just because of the, the process and what they contain and things and, and went to more animal fats, especially for cooking and things. But there's still things you that oil is just really, you know, it's it's superior in for some things, you know, uh, even over animal fats. I mean, some people might not say so. Some people use it, animal fats for all that stuff, you know. Uh, but I just think there are some things that that the seed nut oils work really well for. And, um, yeah, it'd just be nice to have that balance of both and have some of, you know, use the animal fats where they're best and use these other oils where they're best. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, everything in moderation, right? 
Um, and I think that to be a successful homesteader, we want to have uh, a complete arsenal of tools mm-hmm. available to us, right? So that means we have to know how to produce this animal fat, but we also need to know how to produce this plant-based fat sure. as well. So we can yeah. do all the things that we need to do so yeah. we don't hopefully ever have to leave the homestead. That's at least my goal, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too, yeah. <laughs> well, it definitely has application, you know, as far as the uses of it and stuff. So I, I, I definitely think it's something valuable. Uh, well, let's take a few minutes to talk about maybe your website, your podcast, those kind of things. I mean, you got a lot going on. You got a lot going on. I was over at your website just a little bit ago. You got a lot going on. <laughs> so, it's a busy place for such yeah. a small house. Yeah, man. <laughs> I feel you. Um, you know, so one of the things I was mentioning, you know, in 2020, when we had to kind of shift all of our mindsets on what we were doing here, um, turned out to be a, a big blessing for us. I do a lot of speaking engagements. I travel all over the country to talk to people about plants and seeds and, and, and local food and that sort of thing. And obviously, you know, you do the same when that happened in our world, those gigs were all canceled and I was pretty mm-hmm. much out of business at that point. Right. And we sell seeds on our website. Um, it's very small scale. They're only like fruits and vegetable and herb flower seeds that mm-hmm. we grow right here on our little farm, you know? And there was such a resurgence in people interested in gardening that seed sales went through the roof. In March and April of 2020, I sold more seeds on our website than I had sold in the previous five years combined, right? <laughs> it was out of control. And oh, thank goodness. Um, yeah, it kept me, it kept us going. You know, that was the thing that, I mean, it kept the doors open here. And so we've really leaned into this online model. So when you visit our website, you'll find all sorts of stuff. I mean, all of our products that we offer, all the herbal things, our seeds, my books, all that sort of stuff's on there. We've got a blog now. We're really trying to stay connected with people, going to where the people are at, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of expecting people to come to us, we want to be where they're at. And where people are at is wanting to learn how to get back to the land, right? People mm-hmm. want to understand how to garden or how to save their seeds or how to turn these herbs into food and medicine, that sort of thing. You know, so we're really trying to meet them where they're at with the website. And that was kind of what fostered this podcast. You know, like I'd mentioned earlier, every winter I get stir crazy and I got to come up with a new project. (laughs) I'm like, I got to do something, you know, and a couple years back it was, Oh, we're going to start a YouTube channel. That's what we're going to do. That's going to give me something to do. And we've continued the YouTube channel and people really seem to love the videos that we make. Although some of our things tend to be a little bit more quirky. I suppose the way that we approach topics is maybe different than other folks do. But people seem to resonate well with it. So we've continued to do it, even though YouTube, I mean, that's a challenge to continue to make YouTube videos, especially as busy as we are. You know how you got to like, I just want to do my chores, but no, I got to stop and make a video while I'm doing my chores. It's like, I've avoided YouTube for the most part. I mean, I do some videos, but it's so time consuming. We have to stop what you're doing to put a video, (laughs) make a video of it. It's tough. It's tough. You know what I mean? But we keep up with it. So, so we do, we do decent with it. Um, But then this last winter, we launched this podcast and it has become the most fun thing that I get to do, you know, because not only do we, you know, try to educate folks about nature and plants and what they can do with them and that sort of thing. But we have a lot of guests on to do interviews like you do on your show. And, you know, I've always been eager to tell other people's stories. Like in my very first book, it's called from our seeds and their keepers. And it's just a collection of stories from seed savers that I met traveling around the country, these people and their seeds that they kept. I was fascinated by it. I was like, let's, let's document these stories. And it's really sparked a thing in me where I just love sharing other people's stories. And so Mm -hmm. I've been blessed over the years to, you know, I write, stories for the Baker Creek Heirloom Seed Company's catalog. Oh, um, right. If you get their big honking catalog, it's yeah. got all those 
I write a lot of those seed stories. Oh, that that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's super cool. We did some stuff for Modern Farmer where we were doing like farmer profiles that I was writing for their magazine. Um, it was really fun. But now we get to do that with the podcast. We'll have yeah. these different farmers and foragers. I call them groovy plant people. We have all these different <laughs> groovy plant people on the show to talk about plants. Yeah. Uh, so we get to share their stories, um, how they're interacting with plants and making their communities better if they can. And uh, it's it's to be able to lift these people's voices up and give them an opportunity to share kind of takes the pressure off of me. With yeah. YouTube, it's everybody's looking at me. Um, but with the podcast, you know, <laughs> we could do something a little different yeah. and share other people's stories. They're far more interesting than I am anyways. Um, and so the smallhousefarm.com, that website has become sort of a hub for all these different projects that we're doing. There's a lot of things going on. Like you said, um, I'm actively involved in the national seed library movement. Um, we help organize seed library, seed exchange mm, programs neat. that's on there. I mean, there's so much stuff happening. Yeah. Well, I know all my podcast listeners right now are sitting on their edge of their seat going, well, tell us the name of that that podcast, <laughs> Seeds and Weeds, right? That's the name of your podcast? <laughs> you got it. Seedsandweedspodcast.com. We'll take you right to it, but it's on Apple and uh, yeah. you know all yeah. the things, all the things that the podcast I've been checking does. it out. It's pretty good. I'm, we've had some similar guests too. I'm the same, same guests on a couple episodes. So I've seen some. Oh, of that's awesome. Very yeah, cool. So you got some great guests on there. I'm, I'm definitely been kind of running through a few of them, checking them out. Real good stuff. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I appreciate that. It's so much fun, uh, you know. And so for me, with the YouTube, my wife does all of the uh, video editing and stuff. That's like a thing she does. She's like a freelance. Uh, she has websites and videos and stuff for okay. other companies. Yeah. Um, I'm not really a tech person by any means. That's not my skill set. <laughs> but with the podcast, when I came up with this idea, you know, she is very patient. But every once in a while, she's like, mm, she's like, I'm not taking this on. If you're going to do that, you got to do it yourself. So I kind of had to school myself on how to edit the audio and do these things, which is really fun for me. You know, you yeah. can still teach an old dog new tricks. I'm learning stuff out here. Um, so it was, it was really fun and I've started to have way too much fun with it. Um, editing that audio and adding songs into it and, you know, yeah. trying to make it a, a an experience. So I'm yeah, glad you that you're enjoying it. You definitely put more into it than I do as far as just the, the, <laughs> yeah, like you said, the experience of it. I mean, it's definitely edited a lot more and you put a lot more work into it, but it's really good. I enjoy it. I sure. appreciate that a lot, man. That's very cool. You're doing great. Well, what's kind of next for uh, you really content with where you're at? But winter's coming, so we'll find out. You'll probably add something else. But uh, is there a project in the works at Small House Farm or with Bevan or anything? What else we got going on here? There's so many things happening. And who knows? I mean, it hasn't started to snow yet. So like you said, yeah, who knows yeah. what I'm going to do I'm next. I'm sure you'll get this. Yeah. We do a seed swap every year here. It's the Central Michigan Seed Swap, and it has grown. To, it's the largest seed swap around. Last year, we had 900 people come to it. Wow. It's, it's, it's crazy cool. And so I just recently found out that we've outgrown our venue. This is the second venue we've outgrown in eight years. So we're moving it to an even bigger, more beautiful place. Uh, with a huge auditorium that sits 600 people. And so we're in the midst of organizing that. That's going to be it's uh, February 24th. It's always the last weekend. And folks can find that centralmichigansseedswap.com. And even wow. if you're not in Michigan, you can come. We've had yeah. people come from uh, Wisconsin, Canada, Illinois, Indiana, Tennessee, Kentucky. They come from all over this thing. Um, so everybody's welcome to join us for that. That's happening. 
Um, I'm in the midst of photography for a new book project with Timber. Um, I won't get delve into that too much, but it's busy, busy around here, Harold, for yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, and the easiest way, I mean, if folks can, they come to our website, you know, then they can connect with all the, uh, you know, the social medias, <laughs> then they can stay yeah. in touch with us that way. Um, and see all the, the next big thing that's going to happen here, I guess. Yeah. You're, you're doing some big things, man. You're doing, you're doing great. I, I just love it that you're just branching off there. You spread the message and you know what? I feel like you're touching a topic, especially with this uh, nut and seed oil that just doesn't get enough attention. I feel like it's just one of them kind of forgotten skills, especially on the small homestead level people. I mean, we just, we rely on the bigger companies to take care of this for us, but it's absolutely something that can be done right on a small homestead. And I think that's just fascinating. I, I agree. And it is something that, you know, it may seem like such a foreign idea, but remember when we were all little baby homesteaders, all these new things were foreign <laughs> yes. to us, right? Yes. This is just yeah. another one of those skills that once you get into it and you learn how easy it can be, you're going to wish you to started it sooner for sure. Yeah. You definitely have piqued my interest on it, man. I think it's definitely something I'm going to get into. Like I said, I ran into that, you know, that forum a while back, forum post a while back. And I was like, Ooh, that sounds really interesting. And I'm, so I'm really glad that we've touched base and, and you've really opened my eyes up to some of the possibilities on this. Cause it's something I, I definitely want to get into because I think it'd be something I can, uh, would really hit, be able to use on my small homestead. Yeah, right on, man. Well, I appreciate you having me on the show to talk about it. Hopefully oh, your listeners dig it too, you know? Yeah, I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. I appreciate it, man. Is there anything you want to leave them with before you before we uh, end this? Hey, this is a lesson we've all learned as homesteaders. But remember, even with something new like pressing oil, baby steps is all that you need. A couple of steps forward in the long run, we're going to be working miles down that road, right? Awesome, man. Good word. I appreciate you coming on, Bevan. Hey, thanks for having me, Harold.